Hey, Amanda, remember that time Elton John rewrote A Candle in the Wind? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb, and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. And I'm so tired that we, just now, when you were doing your part of the intro, I spaced out and, like, forgot that I had to talk again. (laughs) Oh, boy. I, too, am exhausted. But we're here. We're We're always here. It's December. I woke up on December 1st in Pittsburgh to a beautiful blanket of snow, and then it snowed all day long. I also woke up to that, and it was so beautiful, and I had a two-hour delay, but then the roads got worse, and they made us come anyway, which was less fun. But then my school was beautiful in the snow, so it was fine. (laughs) Yeah, it really was one of those things, too, where, like, like the day before, it had been raining here. I don't know about where you are, Mm -hmm. but it had been raining. And I I knew it was supposed to snow, but not till the middle of the night. So I was like, well, I'm not going to get to watch it start snowing. And I I always think, because that's how it goes where I live – like, I'm going to wake up and they're like, it's going to be five inches of snow. And I'm going to wake up and it's going to be like a dusting because yeah. it never snows as much as they say it's going to. But I woke up and I opened my blinds and I was like, oh, it's a winter wonderland. Yes. So I, I had a similar experience. It was lovely. <laughs> well, um, speaking of cozy winter things, would you like a drink update? Oh, yes. And I feel you've just given us a hint about yours. Yeah. So I'm drinking it out of a Christmas mug. Adorable. Says, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And it is hot chocolate. Mm. And I have crushed up one of those uh, peppermint chocolate squares that I like and put yes. it in the hot chocolate. Yum. That sounds delicious. Last night, I watched uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol and drank that chai tea that our aunt gave us oh. with some Baileys in it. And I wore Christmas pajamas and I wrapped my presents. And it I was wore lovely. Christmas pajamas all day on Monday. I love that. <laughs> I'm drinking water. My story was more fun than my drink update. <laughs> I almost had water today, and then I remembered the curse of me drinking water, and I decided (laughs) not to. Something always goes wrong. Well, today, we are going to talk about Diana, Princess of Wales, and this is one of my favorite topics. Mm -hmm. This has been on our list for a long time. Since since we first made our list. Yeah. Um, I really love her. I I do want to say two things off the top. Okay. One, this is going to be a long episode. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still left a lot out, if I'm being honest. Like, there's a lot about Lady Di and just so much to talk about. And I'm going to try to not, like, go on and on and on. But there's also going to be some things I I definitely leave out. But you can read about her anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And there are lots of good documentaries about her, too. We'll talk about at least one of them. Um, And two... There is going to be a content warning on this episode. Um, we're going to have a little bit of discussion about eating disorders mm-hmm. as well as self-harm. So if that is something that you – that is not safe or healthy for you, don't listen to this episode. It's okay. Um You know, it's not going to be a huge part of it, but we are going to talk about it because it is a truth of Diana's life and we can't leave it out. Mm -hmm. So just want to say that off the top. Yep. Okay. So Diana Frances Spencer is born July 1st, 1961 at Park House Sandringham in Norfolk. 
I love how every time we talk about where someone is born in England, it's like three places in one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because they have like little areas of the cities and they yes. all have their own names. It's like I love Pittsburgh. it. I love I it. I like that here. Uh, she is the fourth of five children. Too many. Too many yeah. children. <laughs> totally agree. Um, her mother is Francis Spencer and her father is Edward John Spencer and he is the eighth Earl Spencer. Um. So she comes from an, a noble family. Ah. It's so weird to think about a noble family in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, outside of the royal family. It's weird it's like to that, think about there still being nobles. It's like that, um... I'm going to make a reference you probably won't remember. Oh, boy. It's like that Mary-Kate and Ashley movie, Winning London, one of my all-time favorites. When they go and they meet the guy in London and he says he's a lord and they think he's all fancy. And he's like, well, actually, my family doesn't really have that much money. And they're like, what? But you're a lord. It's just that. It's just that. (laughs) Yeah. And some insane fashions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the Spencer family is historically very closely allied with the royal family, actually. Um, both of Diana's grandmothers ha- had served as ladies-in-waiting to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Oh. So Elizabeth II's mother. Yeah. Um, and Park House, the place where Diana grows up, is owned by Queen Elizabeth II. That's also weird to think about. Is it the well, whole country owned? <laughs> no. No, I know. Um, and as a child, Diana plays with the two younger children of the queen prince andrew and prince edward because there's a big gap between her first two children and her second two children right just by the way uh (laughs) like uh she has Charles and Anne, and then there's like a 10-year gap before she has another kid so she plays with the younger of the children when she's a child which is like weird foreshadowing into the fact that that's those are not the ones she marries. Yeah, that's a uh, unfortunate. I was just yeah. thinking about that. We'll definitely talk more about that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Diana grows up with three of her siblings: Sarah, Jane, and Charles. Uh, her other brother John actually dies shortly after his birth. Um, about a year before Diana's born. Um, And when she is seven, Diana's parents divorce. And it's a very messy divorce. Yet more foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, we're not going to go too much into the details because, again, there's a lot happening here. But Uh it's messy. And she originally goes to live with her mother. But her mom, like, gets remarried and it's very dramatic. And her dad ends up winning custody so she doesn't stay there. Mm. Ugh. It's a lot. Um. And in 1975 is actually when Diana's father officially inherits the title, Earl Spencer, and that gives her the title of Lady Diana Spencer. So that's why you hear her called Lady Di. Lady Di. Lady Diana Mm -hmm. a lot. Also, can I just say Earl Spencer just sounds like a name. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's just somebody's name. Like your first name is Earl. And your last name is Spencer. (laughs) I almost started singing a song by... Now the chicks, formerly the Dixie chicks, but uh-huh. it' gonna hold back. Okay, because we we don't have time for we, t- a chicks we don't have time rabbit trail for musical right now. rabbit trail. Not a bit. Um. So initially, Diana's homeschooled by her governess. You know, classic. classic. She when she gets into her formal education, she goes to 
excuse me, I burped right before I was going to start talking. That was gross. Um, she goes to Sillfield Private School in Gaten, Norfolk. And then she goes to Riddlesworth Hall School, which is an That's, all-girls boarding school. That sounds fake. I know. Riddlesworth <laughs> Hall School. That's not real. <laughs> well, it is. And she went there when she was like nine. <laughs> and then eventually she joins her sisters at West Heath Girls School, which is in Kent, um, in 1973. Um, academically, she's not, like, amazing. She's not super accomplished in school. Though, her outstanding community spirit was recognized with an award from West Heath. Wow. Mm-hmm. And she does play piano well. She studies ballet and tap dance. And she is accomplished at swimming and diving. So she's not talentless, that's for sure. Lots of people don't do good in school who are still good at many other things. Absolutely. It's very normal. Um, so Diana leaves that school at age 17. And then she attends a finishing school in Switzerland. But she's only there for about one term before she decides she's done with school. Fair enough. Um, and I read somewhere that she, like, failed her O-levels twice or something like that. Like, she w- she just wasn't a good student. Yeah. Um, when she returns to London, she lives in a flat owned by her mother, and she shares it with two of her school friends. And during this time, she takes a lot of, like, low-paying jobs. This is always my favorite. Like, usually when we talk about, like, the random jobs, it's with, like, an author who was trying to make money or, mm-hmm. like, an inventor. And it's always yeah. my favorite to be like, oh, what weird crap did you do for several years? Before you became a princess. Yeah. Um, she works as a youth dance instructor um, until she gets in a skiing accident. She Aww. has to miss three months of work. Oh, bummer. Yeah. she liked dance. That sound- seemed like a good gig for her. I know, right? Uh, she works as a an assistant for, like, a preschool playgroup. God bless her. People who work with preschoolers are my heroes. I know. Because that is tough work. Yeah. Um, she does some cleaning work for her sister and some of her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, she spends some time working as a nanny for a family called the Robertsons, who were an American family living in London. And she also worked as a nursery teacher's assistant um, at the Young England School in Pimlico. I think that's how you say that. So lots of work with children. Yes, a lot. Um, But all assistants, like she didn't have like a degree or anything like that that would, Well, if you don't have the degree, those are the types of jobs you can get when working with children. Right. Um, In July of 1979, her mother buys her a flat in Earl's Court and um, as an 18th birthday present. Just buys her a place to live as an 18th birthday present. Sure. That's what happens, I guess, when you're rich. Um, And she lived there with three flatmates until February 25th, 1981, which we'll get to. So that's sort of Diana's early life before... It kicks off. Uh-huh. Um, again, not, there's- Not a- terribly abnormal besides the fact that she's technically a noble. Um, yeah, and the stuff with her parents' divorce is also- um, More detailed It really shapes- Yeah, it really shapes, who, like, who she is in a, in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. But it's just- ugh, We have no time. <laughs> so, 
let's get into the real stuff. Why you're here. Why you're <laughs> listening get, to this episode. Let's get deep into it. <laughs> you want to know, did the crown get it right? And in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. Because it's a television show and it's not <laughs> a documentary. That's all I'm going to say about that. Great. So, when Diana is 16 years old, this is when she first meets Charles, Prince of Wales, who was, of course, the son of Queen Elizabeth II and heir to the throne. And can I just say, meeting this person at 16, red red flag a little bit, just well, knowing what we know now. We're is- not, it's, this was not the pivotal meeting in I know, any way, shape, or form. But also... Ooh, just knowing where it's going. Well, just you wait, because when they meet, it's actually because Charles is dating her older sister, Sarah. Oh, boy. Yikes. Um, And we're also going to now first mention Camilla. Okay, so here's the tea with Camilla. So Charles had been dating Camilla Rosemary Shand through the early 70s, and then their relationship sort of... Started to fizzle when Charles is deployed in the Royal Navy in 1972. And while he's away, she gets engaged to someone else. Oh, okay. Army officer Andrew Parker Bowles. And she and Andrew are married in 1973. Gotcha. So when his relationship with Camilla sort of ends, we'll use finger quotes. Mm-hmm. He starts dating a lot of other women, one of them being Sarah Spencer. How old was he when she meets him when she's 16? Um, well, let's see. He's 32 and they get married, so... What's 32 minus 3? I can't do math. 29? 29. Okay. Yikes! (laughs) Yeah. So in July of 1980, Diana sort of meets Charles again under different circumstances when she's a guest um, at a sort of country weekend they're having and she watches him play polo and then he sort of starts going oh that's someone I could date because he's looking for a wife right um and he's he starts to say like oh that's someone who could maybe have potential because he's not dating her sister anymore Mm mm-hmm So after that, Diana's invited to do a couple more things. She comes aboard the royal yacht, the Britannica, for a sailing weekend. She also goes, famously, she goes to Balmoral, which is the royal family's home in Scotland. um, And she meets the family there um, in November of 1980. Wow, that's not long. No, just wait. There's more to that, too. Um, when she first meets them, she's actually pretty well received by the family. Like, the queen likes her. The queen mother likes her. Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, who is, of course, the queen's husband, likes her a lot also mm-hmm. when they first meet. So she makes a good impression. And once the word is out that they're sort of involved with each other, I mean, the media starts following her right away. Obviously. Like, they're not really even... like quote unquote dating they just have kind of been on a couple of dates but she is it everybody's interested in diana because she's young and she's quiet she's very shy and she's beautiful so the media just is all over her pretty much right away Mm -hmm. in the documentary diana in her own words which i'm gonna reference several times because it's one of my favorites and also it's important to the story Um, Diana says that she and Charles met in person about 13 times before they got engaged. Oh, my God. That is 
oh, it's rough. That's rough stuff. Yeah. And a lot of their early conversations were just them talking on the phone. Oh, like, my God. They didn't see each other pretty regularly. But nonetheless, here we are, February 6th, 1981. Charles proposes at Windsor Castle. I, oh, oh, man. It's been if, barely a year since they've been kind of hanging out. Since they've really started to, like, know each other at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, in that same documentary, she says something along the lines of, like, she kind of thought he was kidding at first. And then she was like, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, oh, my God. And they announced their engagement on February 24th, 1981. And at the time that they get engaged, Charles is 32 and Diana is 19. That's not great. That's rough stuff. I know 19 is an adult, but is it, mm. though? Because you're still a teen, really. Like, and, you are- And you're about to be in one of the most difficult families to be in ever. And your brain isn't fully developed. No. And, like, the age gaps are one thing, but, like, that's a pretty big gap for 19. You know? Like, oh, it's rough. Yeah, and, and, like- We've talked about a lot of royals, obviously, and this is like an age gap that is normal for, yes. you know, back in the day. Yeah. But like, but girl, less so it's now. the 80s. Yeah. That's rough. We know better. We know like, better. If Even if she was like 22, that wouldn't have been that bad because then she's been an adult for a couple of years and has been on her own for a little while. But like 19 is fresh out of school, girl. Like you she's can't. She's so ill-equipped. Mm -hmm. She's so ill-equipped and- like, your, yeah. your brain isn't fully developed. That's not okay. <laughs> well, we'll certainly get into that more, too. Yeah. Um. So after they get engaged, Diana leaves her job as the nurse, nursery assistant. Um, for a short period of time, she lives at Clarence House, which is where the Queen Mother lives. Um. Well, was a home of the Queen Mother. I don't know if she lives there all the time. Uh, um, and aren't Charles and the Queen Mother pretty close? Um, yeah. As close as one would be with Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Not that many people are close to Charles, let's uh -huh. be honest. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and then she moves to Buckingham Palace until the wedding. And she was very lonely at Buckingham Palace because, you know, well, Charles yeah. is out being a prince. She doesn't know anybody. She doesn't have, like, a support system there. She's basically just in her rooms by herself. Oh. And you guys, I know you saw the scene in The Crown where she's roller skating around Buckingham Palace. And you're like, that didn't happen. But it did. It happened. She did that. And oh I would have, too, if I were a 19-year-old living in a palace by myself. That's valid. Just uh, an interesting fact. Diana becomes the first English woman to marry um, the first in line to the throne since Anne Hyde, who married the future James II, which was like 300 years before this. Huh. Um, because they were typically marrying into other royal families. For so this alliances. This is the first time, yeah, in like 300 years that it's an actual English That woman. is fascinating. She's also the first royal bride to have her own paying job before her engagement. That is less surprising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So 
she makes her first public appearance with Prince Charles. Um, in March of 1981, they go to a charity ball at Goldsmiths Hall. She wears this fabulous black dress. And he was very, like, offended that she was wearing a black dress. Because he was like, only people in mourning wear black dresses. And she was like, well, I think it's fancy. So she wore it anyway. And there she meets Grace, Princess of Monaco, who I could do a whole different episode on. <laughs> oh, Grace Kelly. Oh, Princess of Monaco. She's it. And in that documentary, she says something like, you know, she felt relieved to be meeting her because Grace also married into a royal family and uh-huh. was, like, not used to that experience. And she, like, felt some comfort from her, like, seeing that she kind of knew what she was doing and that kind of thing. So on July 29th, 1981, Prince Charles and Diana are married in a televised ceremony. Uh, It takes place at St. Paul's Cathedral, not Westminster Abbey, because St. Paul's had more seats than Westminster Abbey. Huh. And they had more guests. Fascinating. Diana is 20 at the time of her wedding. And that is when she officially becomes Princess of Wales. Right. And her, like how you address her title her style is your royal highness right um the wedding is watched globally by a television audience of around 750 million wow (laughs) in 74 countries and 600,000 people lined the streets to catch them in their like carriage on the way to the ceremony wow Can I tell a very quick story about my favorite experience with a royal wedding? Yeah. So when uh, Meghan and Harry got married, Mm -hmm. I was in Ireland and I was staying at a hostel um, and it was like a sort of a bed and breakfasty kind of place. And the woman who owned the hostel was like making us breakfast every morning mm-hmm. and the morning of the wedding she she was making us food and she was like coming in and out of the k- kitchen and giving us updates she would be like <laughs> so and so arrived and she looks fantastic she would be like victoria beckham's here i was gonna say uh, victoria <laughs> beckham is here she yeah looks like she would she would like come in and tell us how it was going it was my fate because we had never experienced watching something like that like Fresh and early in the morning, in real time, you know, like and in Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know. Um, and I hadn't even thought about it because it was like, well, we're in Ireland; it's not really the same, but it is. Mm -hmm. Like she was so invested, and it was so fun. Like I didn't watch the. It at all. I didn't watch the wedding at all. I watched her watch the wedding and it was so because the TV was in the kitchen and right. she was like coming in and out. Oh my god, it was my favorite that's thing that's so ever funny. happened to me. <laughs> I love that. So at the altar, Diana actually um accidentally reverses the order of Charles's first two names <gasps> and says Philip Charles Arthur George instead of Charles Philip Arthur George. Quite the scandal, really. Well, because she barely knows him. Of course she doesn't know the order. Also, she's a little nervous, and it's a lot of names, to be fair. Yes, it is. Um, in their vows, they do not use the word obey. Mm. In the traditional vows, it was left out at the request of the couple, not just her. Um, Diana wears a dress valued at the time at 9,000 pounds, which in 2019 is equivalent to 34,750. Too much money. And the train, Amanda, the train 
was 25 feet long. That is impractical. (laughs) What is the point of that? Oh, there was all this talk about she rode in the carriage in the dress and then she came out of the carriage and her dress was all wrinkled because she had been sitting in it in the long train. Of course. But she looked fabulous. She looked beautiful still. Even with the huge sleeves. Oh my God, the sleeves. A classic. (laughs) So... The marital bliss does not last long, if at all. Of course. Because in July of 1981, the couple goes on their honeymoon, which is a 14-day cruise, you know, on on the Britannica. They're just seeing the sights. And according to, this comes from a book by Stephen Barry called The Diana Chronicles. Uh, He says that Prince Charles called Camilla Parker Bowles daily. Rough. (laughs) Um, And Diana says in the documentary with recordings of her interviews, um, this is a quote. She says, on our honeymoon, cufflinks arrive on his wrists, two seas entwined like the Chanel Sea. Got it. One knew exactly. So I said, Camilla gave you those, didn't she? He said, yes. What's that? So what's wrong? They're a present from a friend. And boy, did we have a row. Jealousy. Total jealousy. And it was such a good idea, the two C's. But it wasn't that clever. Wow. Wow. So she been new. She been been new. And he did not waste any time. Of course not. Um. And, you know, there we'll talk in a little bit about, like, when he and Camilla sort of officially began having an affair. But they were always having an emotional affair. Like, uh-huh. he was he was in a, having an affair the entire time he was married, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and even before, because she was married. Mm-hmm. So they get through the honeymoon. Um, Diana and Charles have residences at Kensington Palace and Highgrove House, which is like Charles's home in the country. He prefers to spend most of his time there. From most of the reports you find, she didn't really like it. She spends most of her time in London. Um, on November 5th, 1981, Diana's first pregnancy is announced. We all know this guy. <laughs> It's William. He's coming up. I don't know why. We all know this guy. We all know really this got guy. me. Prince William, he's going to be king, let's be honest. Um in January of 1982 during her pregnancy, about 12 weeks in, Diana falls down a staircase. Oh no. Um she she just ha- gets like bruises. She's fine. Um it doesn't affect her pregnancy. But later on, she confirms that she had actually thrown herself down the stairs Ugh. because she was just feeling she says so inadequate. Oh, she was really having a hard time. That is sad. Well, and it's like as if she's not under enough stress, then she's pregnant and then she has all the pregnancy hormones. Like it's a that oh no. Like that's And rough. she's how old at this point? 21, 22? You know, yeah. she's she's young. Yeah. Um, in February of 1982, pictures of pregnant Diana in a bikini while she's, like, on holiday are published. And the queen releases a statement and calls it, quote, the blackest day in the history of British journalism. <laughs> and I got news for you, QE2. You are not even close. Not oh even in this marriage God. are you close. Oh, my God. Uh, that is, wow. She had no idea the she storm sure that was a Brewin. The hot chocolate's not hot anymore. Okay. (laughs) 
So on June 21st, 1982, Diana gives birth to her first son, Prince William. I remember his wedding also, but it was less yes. entertaining to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he married a perfect, you know. Yeah. The, the one that, you know, fit perfectly into the mold. Right. Um, Diana is the first royal to give birth in a hospital rather than the royal residence, this the palace. is so interesting. <laughs> Those little things I find endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Well, because, like, if you really think about it, it's like, okay, so Diana did it, and then Kate did it, which mm-hmm. I watched. Yeah, yes. I saw, I saw her come Megan. out of the hospital, and yep. then Megan did it. I saw her come you know. Um, according to Diana, um, Charles originally wanted William to be named Arthur. They disagreed mm. a lot on the names. Um, and then Diana suffers postpartum depression after she gives birth to William. It's not good. Obviously, she was also experiencing prepartum depression. Right. <laughs> right. Like, well, she was just experiencing, experiencing depression. depression. But her hormones weren't helping it. Like, you know? Yeah. So in March of 1983, it gets dramatic. Diana and Charles take their first royal tour as a couple, and they go to Australia, and then the tour goes to New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. And Diana breaks with tradition, and she insists on taking William with them. Good for her. He's like a year old. That's her baby. She was very attached to her children. Yeah. She did not want to be away from him that long, and... He's not even a year old yet. Like, well, but yes. it was normal for them to be left behind with nannies or whatever, uh-huh. you know. Um, that's what that's what Elizabeth and Philip did when they went on their tour in Australia. Yes, they left the but kids. also, it's 1983. Sure. It's time for some things to change. If she well, wants to have her baby, have her baby. And it's a good thing that she did because it made the public view her sympathetically because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, she's a mother. She cares about her children. You well, know, and then how exciting to, to see the prince. And like, yes, uh, you know. he took his first steps on that tour. Like, oh my God. the media caught it. Like, you know, it was a very big deal. Yeah. Um, Diana, uh, is just completely adored in Australia, much to the annoyance, an- <laughs> months to the annoyment, is that a word? The an- an- frustration, yeah. annoyance, there you go. Uh, much to the frustration of the Australian prime minister who wants to break from England. Oh my God, um, <laughs> that's funny. They were like, oh, the royal couple's gonna come, it's fine, because people don't really love Charles the same way they love, so they're not like, oh, Charles... You know, maybe we can, it'll be fine. And, and then, then Diana came. came. Oh, With her baby. <laughs> yeah. They love, oh, they loved her. Um, She's really charming. Charles is very jealous. Like, Which is like, very jealous. Because he's, he's also making you look good. <laughs> but he's supposed to be the star of yeah. the tour. And Charles, th- there's a lot that we could go into about his, his psyche, you know, like he, had a tough relationship with his father and is just very sensitive and I'm sure feels inadequate a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. But he's very determined to be king. So, you know, having his wife get all the attention, he didn't like that. He didn't like when the attention wasn't on him. Uh-huh. Even though she's really making it look, like, she's making their marriage look great. Mm-hmm. And the decision to marry her look really good mm-hmm. um but he do- he doesn't like it and when they like drive through the streets 
the crowds would like complain if they were on the wrong side of the car, oh my like God. the street from the car. Because if Diana was sitting on the other side of the car, they'd be like, we want Diana, you know. But I digress. <laughs> um, so they have a hard time in Australia. It's uh-huh. not it's not great for their marriage. But her public image is like blowing up. She's doing great. Um, and she uses her popularity to aid in a lot of charities, which we'll touch Good on a her. little bit, uh, you know, again later. Mm-hmm. Um, she always would meet with people of all ages and backgrounds. She well, famously wouldn't wear gloves when meeting people, which was customary for royals. Which, like, I get that people see that as being snobby, but really it's a health thing. <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean... It, like, now we could say that, but the truth is that, like, it they didn't want to touch people's hands. Yeah, Let's be I get honest. That. Well, like, I, I'm just, like, thinking, like, I went to a, a Game Grumps live show, and I got to go on the stage, yeah. and Dan wears gloves when they right. tour because he gets sick really easily, so he right. wears gloves when they tour. Well, I get it. I get it for the queen, because you can't have the queen get sick. Yes. But, you know, she's Other a people, it's her yeah. job to meet people, yes. you know. Um, she was also very interested in health, like a lot of health related charities, particularly AIDS and leprosy. She's being supportive, supportive of AIDS charities in the 80s. We're going to talk about it a little bit more later, but it was a very big deal. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit on September 15th, 1984. She gives birth to her second son, Prince Harry. Who recently um, left the family. Ooh, or left his titles or yeah. Drama. Yeah, he, he gave up his titles. Yeah. Um Diana is again a really attentive mother. She rarely defers to her husband or the royal family on decisions about her children. She um she chose both both of their first given names, which is not the most common. She dismisses royal family nannies and chooses her own instead. Wow. Um, she picks their schools, their clothing, um, their outings. She she plans a lot of her public appearances around them. Wow. Which is abnormal, right? Which is so weird because it's just like that's just being a mom. Right. She's just like being a mom, but because the royals weren't expected to be actual parents, that's shocking. But she's literally just like, I pick my kids' clothes and I take them to school. Right. right. That's like the bare minimum. As if a I have to go somewhere, I'm only going to do it if it fits around my kids' I, schedules. It, it yeah. was so normal. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to talk about some more serious stuff about Diana. Um, and it'll come up you know, a couple of times here. So Diana does suffer from bulimia throughout her marriage. Um, in the documentary, in her own words, she says the bulimia started the week after we got engaged and would take nearly a decade to overcome. My husband put his hand on my waistline and said, oh, a bit chubby here, aren't we? And that triggered off something in me and the Camilla thing. So it was just like a combination of him really not respecting her and also the affair had a really heavy effect on her mentally. Uh, well, yeah, of course it did. And she later Especially because she got into this relationship when her brain was not fully developed. Right. When she was right. at the, like, 
the point where many women will develop some sort of eating disorder or depression or something like that based off of these types of things. She's at a vulnerable place. Her her brain is vulnerable and her situation is stressful. Like, of course that happened to her. And she later talks about it publicly um, in a 1995 interview, which I'll I'll come back to when mm-hmm. we get to that year. Uh, but she she confirms it herself. So there's no doubt. You know, some people are like, did she really? But she did. She, and said she it, confirmed yeah. it. Um, and it was, you know, when you look back on like the footage of her and stuff, you can see that she's just so mm-hmm. unhappy. It's mm-hmm. like kind of hard to watch. Um, but of course. Charles continues his relationship with Camilla. The affair officially, like, quote unquote, officially begins around 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, but Diana also has affairs. Um, well, like, yeah. Hi, a royal family. Welcome to it. This is what right. people do. But, you know, the men are allowed, but the women yeah, are. Yep, you know? yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> she does begin a relationship with someone, um, Major James Hewitt, who is the fourth the family's former writing instructor. Um, Around 1985, there are also rumors that Diana's having an affair with her bodyguard, Barry Manneke. um, And he's actually transferred away in 1987. Mm. And then he dies in a motorcycle accident, like shortly after, which is wild. Mm, Fascinating. Yeah. Amanda's like, ooh, I wonder why I smell the Illuminati. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then uh, it's like right around that time that he gets dismissed, that the media and the press start to really pick up on the unhappiness in this marriage. Um, cause it's like, there are rumors about it and then he gets transferred. And so that to them confirms like, oh, there are problems, right? Um, in 1989, Diana is at a birthday party for Camilla's sister, and she actually confronts Camilla about her and Charles, Charles's relationship. Wow. Um, the recordings that were used for the Diana in her own words documentary, which I'll loop back to here in a second. Um, they basically say that she like goes downstairs in this party and she sees. Uh, Charles there with Camilla and a friend and she's basically like um I need a I need a moment with Camilla I need to talk to her and so they leave the room and she says to Camilla I just like you to know that I know exactly what is going on um and then sh- she says that Camilla like tries to defend herself and and is like will you have all the men in the world like what what more could you want and Diana says I want my husband well, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. Is like, yeah. Of course you do. That's and kind also, of the point. Not just my husband, but also now the father of my children. Yeah. You know? In the most famous and stressful family in the world. Like, yeah. Right. Is it so much to ask for to just want to be married to your husband like normal? No. My it's God. Not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about those recordings. So in 1991, Diana's friend, um, James Colthurst, conducts secret recorded interviews with Diana um, for the purpose of being the source material for a book written by Andrew Morton called Diana, Her True Story. 
And that gets published in 1992. And it's not revealed that she is the source for wow. any of the information when that it comes out. That is really interesting. So I highly recommend watching this documentary because, especially if you've read the book, because you can go back and be like, oh, she, like she really she did She really that. did just say exactly that. <laughs> it's really her on tape. It's all like the whole documentary is basically just her. It's just her talking about everything. Wow. Um, and she went into a lot of detail, a lot of detail. Um, so around this time, like the queen is obviously aware that things are not going well. So the queen and Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, have a meeting with Charles and Diana. And it's like, try. that's your child. Just talk to them. Have but a it's meeting. not. I it's know. not. It's I know. business. You know, I know. It's, it's just buck wild. I know. Um, and also, they don't live there, so they yes. have to call them to come, you know, yeah. it's a whole thing. Um, they try to get them to reconcile, but they're not very successful. Um, and then Philip writes to Diana and is basically like, I don't see why you two can't, I don't see why you two kids can't work it out. Like, he's he's basically just saying, like, I'm disappointed in you both for having affairs and, like, I would like you to... I would like you both to see things from each other's point of view, but obviously he, that doesn't make much difference. Also, at least he didn't put it all on her. I will give him that. He did not he, put it all on her. No, he didn't. But he was also very firm with it. Philip's a very direct person. Yeah. And Diana's very shy and, like, emotional, and Philip uh-huh. is not. So that certainly would have had an effect on her. Um. So, okay. <laughs> things are about to get a little... um. Very dramatic. Okay. So in August of 1992, tape recordings of Diana and a man named James Gilby are made public. They are intimate. Mm. The transcripts are later published in the same month. Then in November of 1992, a very intimate transcript of a phone call between Charles and Camilla are is released to the public. It is weird. Whoa. I didn't put any of the quotes in here, but you can look them up and it oh, it's um weird. <laughs> it's a lot. That is oh. Oh. I genuinely don't know how he recovered as a person after that was Wow. Released. Um, so then in December of 1992, Prime Minister John Major announces to the House of Commons that the couple has decided to amicably separate. Yes, here, let's uh leak tapes and conversations mm-hmm. of both of their affairs and then pretend like that didn't happen, but do <laughs> just say, I think it's time for you two kids to split we, up. We've decided amicably. It was a joint decision. And it's like, um, <laughs> do we know who... Who released those recordings of each other? I have to imagine it was, there was some maliciousness in that. Oh, certainly. I mean, you don't release things like that without it being like. But I mean, like between each other. Like was Charles involved in her leak and was she involved in Charles's leak? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Although they start getting a little more nippy like that in public after this. But no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Because um, that would be whew, very dramatic. No, she Diana's a very generally private person. Mm-hmm. So I think before this, she would have never thought to like publicly 
shame him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, after this, she sure do. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Um. So they separate in December of 1992, and then they carry out their royal duties separately from that point. So they're not divorced. They're just separate. Not yet. Although, in January of 1995... This is when Camilla Parker Bowles files for divorce from her husband. So, so clearly we know where this is going. We're like, on the path. You know. <laughs> yeah. And also, my God, how has she, was she still with that man uh, at that point? You know? <laughs> uh, her husband? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently he, like, he knew. Like, he knew. He I had mean, Everybody have. knew. Yeah. But he knew and he just, like, didn't really do anything to stop it. Sure. I mean, what are you going to do? The guy's a prince. He's the heir to the throne. What are you going to do? Yeah. So anyway, here we are in the year 1995. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. And on November 20th, journalist Martin Bashir interviews, I think I said his name right, interviews Diana for the BBC current affairs show Panorama. Diana, keep in mind, they're still married. Uh, she, (laughs) she openly discusses her own affairs and her husband's, um, when she's talking about, uh, Charles's relationship with Camilla, she says, and this is another quote, well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Dang, girl! (laughs) And she also openly expressed doubt about her husband's, like, ability to be king. That is wildly scandalous. She went for it. They are still married. That is wild that she did that. But she listen, at this point, I feel like she knows like her marriage has been over since before it oh, began. No. So and I'm I'm with her, but my God, the scandal of it all. Yeah. Very dramatic. Yeah. Very dramatic. In um, sorry, December twentieth of nineteen ninety five, Buckingham Palace announces that the Queen has sent letters to both Charles and Diana, advising them that they should divorce. Again, now, those are your children. <laughs> well, yeah, the Queen has been advocating obviously against them getting divorced right. because she listen. You have to remember, she lived through her uncle. Wanting to marry a twice-divorced woman, abdicating the throne. That's the only reason she's the queen at this point. And the Windsors in general, and certainly Queen Elizabeth, know that their goal is survival. Uh Like, stay on the throne, survive, keep the family alive at any cost. So she really wanted to avoid avoid divorce. But at Mm -hmm. this point, it's like, it's too late. You know, like... It's too late. They, they, we cannot repair it. Yeah. So she, you know, buckles <laughs> at this point. Um, and her, you know, this move is backed by the prime minister. I would hope so. Uh, privy counselors, like, they go through talks for about two weeks before they make the decision. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Imagine having that many people to have to decide about your divorce. <laughs> like, what? Well, have to decide whether or not they're going to let you. Because yeah, let's be honest, they saying. already decided. Isn't yeah. that wild? <laughs> yeah. And Charles formally agrees to the divorce in a written statement, like, shortly after that. Um, Diana holds off a little bit longer. And in February of 1996, she announces her agreement after negotiations with Charles and representatives of the Queen, which bothered Buckingham Palace because she issued her own statement about announcing the divorce 
before the palace was able to. And it's like, so oh, she's, did, oh, oh, palace, did I upset you? I'm yeah. so sorry. Like, what? She's given up on formality. Who cares now? We're well past that. Seriously. Um, in July of 1996, they agree to the terms of their divorce. And on August 28th, 1996, the divorce is finalized. Diana receives a lump sum settlement of then 17 million pounds, oh, which today God. is equivalent to 32 million. Oh, my God. Um, they both sign a confidentiality agreement. Um, oh, I'm sorry. She also then receives 400,000 per year. Like to live on. Settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the couple signs a confidentiality agreement um, that prohibits them from discussing details of the divorce or their marriage. As if. So, Hello. but here's the thing. I think that this just makes me think that she did that interview before the diver- divorce on purpose because she knew if she ever got divorced, she wouldn't be able to talk about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because obviously this hasn't been agreed to yet, but common sense tells you I can't say anything if I'm going to, if I want to get out of this marriage with any kind of money or status or or to have anyone know what really happened i have yeah. to do it now yeah i mean yeah girl um diana of course loses her royal style of her royal highness but she is continued to be styled as diana princess of wales now why she, is that because she's the mother of his children oh okay because they're still in line Yes, because they expect, okay. they're expected to get the throne at some point. So she still gets, like, um, she's still regarded as a member of the royal family. And she still gets some precedence, you know. Because she kind of has to. Because she is the mother of two princes who are in line to the throne. Right. Makes sense. Exactly. Um, during and after her marriage, like we talked about, Diana is very involved with lots of charities. Um, she had patronages to several places i'm going to list some of them not even close to all of them mm-hmm. um she was president of great ormond street hospital for children she other patronages she uh was were for the natural history museum the british red cross landmine survivors network That's she so was specific she was very involved in landmine um that is so specific. Detection and, you know, yeah. taking care of I, people who had been hurt. I, I understand it because, like, that this is not a thing that we experience in America. Like, they live on, like, war land. Continent, you yeah. know, like, we, we've had one right. bad one. Where that, Long time ago. Yeah. So Landmines I, weren't a thing yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, so my brain, that's, like, foreign to my brain. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> Others were the National Children's Orchestra, the Royal School for the Blind, uh, the British Deaf Association, she learned sign language for that. Wow. Um, and yeah, I put that in there twice. Sorry about that. that. I, was trying to, I was about to get rid of it. Um, so those were just some. There, There is a massive list. Mm-hmm. Um, though after the day after her divorce, she announces her resignation from over 100 charities. Wow. And she she actually like gave, gives a speech that wasn't really planned. She was like at an event and they were like, also now the princess of Wales would like to say something. And she got up and like said, you know, I'm going to stop doing some of this work um, and stop being so much in the public eye. Mm -hmm. Um, 
She only retained patronages of six charities, which were Centerpoint, the English National Ballet, Great Ormond Street Hospital, the Leprosy Mission, National AIDS Trust, and the Royal Marsden Hospital. She does continue her work with the British Red Cross um, for the anti-personnel landmines campaign, but she's not listed as a patron there anymore. But that, that becomes a pretty big part of her work after her divorce. Um, she does a lot of work with the British Red Cross. Mm. Again, the fact that the AIDS Trust is on that list is like... Yeah, we're getting back to that here in yeah. a second, too. Um, In May of 1997, Diana opens the Richard Attenborough Center for Disability and the Arts in Leicester. In June of 1997, her dresses and suits are sold at Christie's Auction House in London and and New York. And the proceeds that were earned from those are donated to various charities. Wow. That's a a thing that I don't think about happening to someone while they're still alive. Like, let me sell off all of my famous clothes. She was that iconic. Yeah. Her fashion was that iconic. Yeah, that's incredible. Truly. Um, yeah, she, like, ugh, is a whole thing. Um, <laughs> so she, we're going to talk a little bit about her AIDS work here. Um, she began her work with AIDS patients in the 80s. Which is like, she, oh, my God, that it was hugely taboo yes. and controversial in the 80s. And she was very famous for the fact that she would make physical contact with AIDS patients. Uh, she would hug them. A hero. She'd hold their hand. Um, because she was, people thought that you could get AIDS from touching a person, which is absurd. Like, Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Um, she was the first British royal figure to make like physical contact with her. AIDS patients. In 1987, she famously holds hands with an AIDS patient in one of her like early efforts to destigmatize the condition. Mm-hmm. And she said, HIV does not make people dangerous to know. You can shake their hands and give them a hug. Heaven knows they need it. What's more, you can share their homes, their workplaces, and their playgrounds and toys. Girl, yes. Love this. Love she this. really thought all of that was so ridiculous. Because like, it was. Like, what? It, yeah, it was. You know, and, well, and it was just largely because people thought only gay people had AIDS and like, you know what I mean? Like there, there's all these. Yeah. <sighs> and she was already like, she would hug sick people all the time, mm-hmm. like shake their hand, which was not something that the public was used to from a Royal. So she already was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came to AIDS patients, she was like, how is that any, any different? Different. Yeah. You know, in 1996, after her divorce, she, Lives in a double apartment on the north side of Kensington Palace, which is what she had shared with Charles. Shared in quotes, let's be honest. <laughs> they didn't really live that together that frequently. Um, in 1997, okay, we jumped a little bit, obviously. Oh, um, there there's, you know, there's a few other things. There's a lot more about her charity work before 1997 that I recommend people look into. Um, but again, it just would take... Forever. Forever. Mm -hmm. And we've already been recording for a long time. So in 1997, Diana famously begins a relationship with an Egyptian film producer. He's the son of a millionaire. His name is Dodi Fayed. Um, And she 
is in France with him that summer. She goes and stays with him. There are pictures of her, like, on his yacht. And it was all, like, very scandalous that she was with this person. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and while she's there, <clears throat> on August 31st, 1997, Diana, along with Fayed and their driver, um, Henri Paul, are killed in a car crash in the Pont, I'm going to say this wrong, Pont de Loma? tunnel in paris while the driver was fleeing from paparazzi oh that is it is terrible um the other two fayed and paul were apparently killed instantly she died later at the hospital from injuries the car was it's bad uh i it's like hard to look at it Mm -hmm. was so messed up and, and it's yet worse that they were fleeing from paparazzi. Like, yeah. that detail is terrible. Yeah. Um, after her death, Charles travels to Paris to bring her body back to England. Um, he also apparently, reportedly, halted plans to formally announce Camilla as his partner. Like, wow. he was going to do that. And then this happened. Wow. Um. On September 6th, the funeral is televised, and it's watched by a British television audience of 32.10 million. Wow. Which is still, like, the high. it's one of the highest viewing numbers in the UK. And that's also just the British television audience, because at this point, she's a world-renowned name. Yes. You know? (laughs) Um, People left public offerings candles flowers cards i mean you can see it's footage of it it's like wild the whole of the front of buckingham palace is just packed with stuff and people and they're all out and it's on camera like people just crying and she's she's known as the people's princess right because even after the divorce people just loved her they loved her um so they still considered her to be their princess um so it was a very massive display of public mourning. And like we said, for the funeral, Elton John rewrites the song Candle in the Wind, which was not originally about Princess Di. It was about Marilyn Monroe. Um, but he, like, rewrites some of the words f- for Diana. Because he and, and Diana were very Good friends. Close. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's another thing we didn't talk about a lot. That she was friends with lots of very famous people. Well, of course she was. Yeah. Of course she was. Um, her coffin is draped by, with the royal flag. It's brought to London from Paris, um, by Prince Charles and Diana's two sisters. Um, and the coffin is taken to a private mortuary and then placed in the chapel, uh, in the chapel royal in St. James's Palace. At the funeral procession, her sons walk behind her coffin, which you can see footage of. Um, along with her ex-husband, the Prince of Wales, and the Duke of Edinburgh, Philip walks behind it as well, mm-hmm. um, and her brother, Lord Spencer, um, and some representatives of her charities walk behind them. I just found this interesting. A set of rosary beads that she had received from Mother Teresa were placed in her hands, um, in her coffin, and Mother Teresa had died the same week. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That is weird. Huh. 
Um, Diana's grave is on an island within the grounds of Althorpe Park, which is the Spencer family home. Um, there was, like, discussion of putting her somewhere else, but they decided to put the grave there because I can't remember who said it, but they basically said that they wanted it to be in a place where it could be attended by her sons privately. Oh, yeah. You know? Yes. Um, so in the aftermath... There's a lot about, like, there are conspiracy theories about what might have happened, you know. It was John Mulaney. He did it. <laughs> um, the initial investigation in France concludes that the crash is caused by Paul, the Henri Paul, the driver's intoxication and reckless driving um, because he was speeding and possibly effects of prescription drugs, you know. I don't know. Um, in February of 1998, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who is the father of Dodi Fayed, um, who is also the owner of the Paris Ritz where the driver had worked, publicly says that the crash had been planned and accused MI6 and the Duke of Edinburgh of being involved. So this is where you get the conspiracy Drama. theories that the royal family was in on it. killed. Yeah. What, um, and with him saying that, wow. Yeah, I think he very much believed that. It, I don't know. I haven't read up too much on him. But my guess is that he very much believed that it it happened because the, the royal family didn't like her dating his son. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm guessing that was probably his motivation. Um, there, there was an inquest. Um, that started in London in 2004, and it continued into 2007, 2008. Um, that one attributes the crash to grossly negligent driving by Paul um, and to the pursuing paparazzi um, who forced him to speed through the tunnel. Right. Uh, and on April 7th, 2008, the jury returned a verdict of unlawful killing. Um, on the day after the verdict, Al-Fayed announced that he was going to end his 10-year campaign to establish that it was murder. Mm. Um, and he says that he he did so for the sake of Diana's children. Wow. Um, which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. So that is still a really prominent conspiracy theory, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you will find that anywhere. That yeah. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. think that the royal family had her killed. But, um, and, and, like, I, I understand that, but also her children were now in the royal line, and they have a certain amount of appearances they have to keep up for that, you know? Like... It's really heartbreaking for her children. Yeah. Um, but this adds to it, I think. So, in 1999, after the submission of a Freedom of Information Act request filed by... Uh, a, a website, basically, um, apbonline.com, APB online. I, don't, I said I that totally wrong. APBonline.com <laughs> makes more sense. Um, it's revealed that Diana had actually been placed under surveillance by the National Security Agency until her death. Of course. And that the agency kept a file on her, a secret file on her, with more than a thousand pages. Um, the contents of the NSA file can't be disclosed because of national security concerns. And NSA officials 
say they insist that Diana was not um, a, quote, target of their massive worldwide electronic eavesdropping infrastructure. But, like, please. <laughs> but this just adds to th- fuel to that theory that yeah. they were watching her. But, like, also, of course they were watching her. She's a yeah. she's an ex-royal. Like She's a, high profile. Her, yeah, of course they're yeah. watching her. They're watching everyone who's high profile. Even if they're not as high profile as her, but they're still high profile, they are being watched. You know, yeah. like Meghan and Harry right now are being watched. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's Diana. Oh, and um, on April 9th, 2005, Charles married uh, Camilla Parker Bowles. Of course. And she is now Duchess of Cornwall is her title. Wow. So she very well could be queen oh my one God. day. That's wild. And you know what's interesting? Diana always said that she never expected to be queen. Mm-hmm. She she knew she was never going to be queen. Wow. That's so that's some of Diana. We didn't yeah. go into all of it. Um, but. Yeah. Oh, the life of the royals is endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And it's also just like some of that stuff is so unbelievable to me that that's still stuff that we have today. Like the fact yeah. that there's a, a a massive royal family. Like I know smaller countries have royal families, but like a massive royal family in such a large world power yes. where they're basically just figureheads cuz they yes. don't govern. Um, because it's a constitutional monarchy, you know, but they don't, they don't govern. In fact, they have to remain neutral. Yeah, but they keep the code, like they, they're, they're so stuck on their moral code, even though it just does not matter at all, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. It's wild. all very fascinating. But I have like a soft spot in my heart for Diana. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, by no means was she perfect. No. Obviously. But she was a young woman who got asked to be a princess. So, of course, she said yes. And she was so under the watchful eye of the media from the second there was even an inkling that she might That's the other princess. thing. Like, there's a fascinating, you could do a whole episode just on the psychology of that like of the media and the way that it acts and like she's a perfect study for something like that. Absolutely she is. And it just you know, she her marriage was such a disaster and if I she mean, wasn't such uh, in the public eye, it would just be like, yeah, people's marriages end poorly sometimes, yeah. but because of the situation she was in, it was so blown and out of And it's hard because, you know, you part of you feels for Charles because you're like, well, if they just would have let him marry the woman he loved, because they didn't want him to marry Camilla. Yeah. So even if, if she would have gotten just, divorced from her husband and he would have married her, even before she got married, they didn't want them to get married. Uh, so, you know, if they would have just uh, again, you know, Elizabeth's uncle may have stayed on the throne if this family just let people marry people they love. Although in that case, it's probably good that he didn't because he was definitely a Nazi. Yeah, a Nazi um, for sure. But, you know, and so was she. But, you know, you do kind of feel for Charles. But at the same time, it's like, well, you made the decision, buddy. You decided to go with, you know, mm-hmm. your duty and, and, and you married her. So now you got to suck it that's, up that's and do your job. Thing. It's like, if you're so serious about being the king, you also have to take the royal duty that and he you is. chose. Yes, he's so serious. You about have to take that royal duty, the decision that you made. 
Seriously, mm-hmm. you made a duty decision to marry this woman, so take that seriously if you want to be king, you know? And his jealousy of her was so well, wild. And, and also, that's it's childish. Like, he was a grown man when they got married. She was a 19-year-old. She was a kid. Swept up in this whole thing, and, like, even if she was kind of shy, there's still that, like, excitement of being famous. Like, she was a kid who knew her husband didn't love her, mm-hmm. and- saw that she was getting attention and decided to use it to her benefit. Because she's not dumb. Yeah. She wasn't just like, oh, I'm getting attention. I didn't know. No, she knew. She knew what she was doing. But again, it's this and it's not like survival. she was using it for evil either. She was just a person in the public well, eye. You she know? did like, use it to get to get to her husband. A well, bit. yeah, but she like, did. But you know, it's not like she was again, like, destroying anything. She was like supporting charities and and trying to make herself look good in the yeah. public eye. Of course, she was. That's her job. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. That's a good know. one, sis. Complicated. Thanks. I'm sorry it was so long. It's fine. Um, and at times depressing, but I just <laughs> love her. I just love her. I think she's so fascinating. Really recommend that documentary to everybody. Um. There's also a documentary series. Uh, sorry, that first one's on Netflix. Uh, Diana in her own words. And then there's a series called The Windsors that's also on Netflix. That's interesting just in general if you want to get a history of the family. And it also talks a lot about um, Charles and Diana for part of it. And it's very interesting. And then obviously The Crown, even though it's not always accurate. <laughs> well, that's not a documentary, no. but it's a great show. Yeah, I need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. And the actress they got for her this season was so good. Oh, my gosh. She was so good. Yeah. Well, that's Diana. All right. That was a lot. I mm-hmm. feel very tired. Same. <laughs> we were worn tired. out at the start, and we're even more worn out now. Yeah. I've had a bit of a day. But... <laughs> well, next time, my friends, it's our holiday special. Yay! Oh, yay. I'm so excited. I can't believe it's almost Christmas. I'm so happy that it's almost Christmas. Um, Yeah, so we're going to be talking about different events that took place on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. We'll give it some leeway. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be sort of a back and forth kind of episode. We're both bringing topics to the table, sort of like our first holiday episode we did. Um, So, yeah, and that'll be our last episode of the year. Wow. 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 (laughs) Boy. Um, yeah, so if you have topic suggestions for next year. Oh my gosh. What? Wow. Um, if you want to send them our way, we would love to hear them. You can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at rttpod. Uh, we're also on Facebook if you just search the name of the podcast. Um, if you want to give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast, that would be amazing. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. <sighs> I feel like I did a lot of talking about that one. I'm sorry. I know it was a lot. <laughs> I just had a moment where I was like, I feel like I haven't stopped talking in a while. Yeah, and it's because you haven't. But that's the nature <laughs> of a podcast, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, until our next merry time. <laughs> Remember that time.